Good Sunday afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you've enjoyed your weekend so far. It's been a lovely weekend here in New Jersey. Not too much rain, nothing too crazy. And, of course, I come at y'all today not only to give you an NXT UK review, but to talk about a few bits of news that have been going on over the weekend, some of the things I've found. And this one particular article I want to start with was pretty interesting. I actually was doing some work last night, trying to pull some articles to talk to you guys about. And this first one really caught my eye. And for everyone who's been uh, a fan of WWE since the days of like the 80s and early 90s, this one will be right up your alley. So this is from WrestlingInc.com. Hulk Hogan reveals original plan for the first WrestleMania and why it was changed. This was from Eric Ilcher from yesterday. So let's get into this article real quick. This is a really cool article. When looking back at the birth of Hulkamania, it is easy to assume that it started in 1984 when Hulk Hogan dethroned the Iron Sheik at Madison Square Garden. However, Hogan had a successful run as a babyface in the AWA leading up to that. The Immortal One sat down with Steve Austin on the Steve Austin podcast and spoke about leaving the AWA for the WWF. Quote, I was doing really great in Minnesota. It was probably the most fun time in my life. I love the Twin Cities. I was single. I lived behind the old Met Center where the stewardesses stayed. When I came in, I thought I was going to be a heel, but the Crusher had just left, and he was their Dusty Rhodes, so I just slid into that role. I was there for three years, doing great, making a lot of money, and quote, we were at the Hose Rosemont Horizon, and it was Hulk Hogan, Ray Gagne, and Jim Brunzel in a six-man tag. Of course, the place was sold out against Sheik Anan El Kasi, Sheik Patera, and Sheik Blackwell. They were all under the guard. When I got ready to go to the ring, Steve Taylor saw me. And he says, take this card, and it said, call Vince. I said, I'm not calling Vince Sr. He said, I would ne- never work there again. He took a picture, and with the little white headband on. That became the cover photo for the first ever WWF magazine. I told him I'm not calling Vince, and he said, no, Vince Jr. One thing led to another. When I got home, I called him, and he said he was ready to take over for his dad, and he wanted to talk with me, and quote. After Hogan made the call, he knew he had to keep the meeting under wraps. He sent his wife to get the young younger McMahon from the airport. It was a groundbreaking deal that led to him to bid farewell to the Minnesota Territory. Quote, I didn't want to be seen at the airport with him, so I sent my wife, Linda, to pick him up. He came to my place, we had a few drinks, and at about 4 or 5 in the morning, we shook hands. He said he wanted me to be the face of his company, to go into other territories and cross lines that had never been crossed. I've heard a lot of guys say, if it wasn't for us, there would be no guaranteed contracts. Well, in 1983, I had a guaranteed contract, Hogan revealed. When I left Vern for Vince, I had a 10-year deal for a guaranteed minimum amount of money. I had the first guaranteed contract. What lured me back was, I'm a mark. I love Madison Square Garden. And Vince says he is going to put the WWF title on me. I had just figured this baby thing, baby face thing out for three years. I knew what it was like to get reactions from the crowd. I knew if things went well that I could get over. WrestleMania was the pinnacle event of professional wrestling. Hogan recalled when it began and his responsibility for it became the household name it is today. He also revealed that Dr. D, David Schultz, was originally scheduled to be in the WrestleMania main event in the spot that eventually went to Paul Orndorff. Quote, It wasn't a big corporate thing. It was this personal thing. If I was like, if it, if it, it was like if you, and I, and our friends talking about starting a new company. When I first got up there, it was just Vince and me. Patterson came about a year and a half later. When he started talking about the WrestleMania thing, I was only up there for a year. He started talking about leveraging things, putting up the farm, putting up his house. He pretty much rolled the dice on this WrestleMania thing. The match, which was really crazy between me, Mr. T, and Piper and Orndorff, was Dr. D's idea. All of a sudden, we started building it up as Piper and Dr. D versus me and Mr. T. David decided to do his own angle. At the forum, I had T sitting ringside because he was a friend of mine. And out of nowhere, Dr. D rolled out of the ring and bitch slapped him. A shoot slap. Chief Strongbow had him arrested. Vince was pissed. That was pretty much the bullet that did him in. Hogan and McMahon have had a tumultuous relationship over the years, on and off screen, and the suit even squared off at WrestleMania 19. 
However, there was a time when they were very close, which led to professional wrestling getting white hot very quickly. It was it, is a, it has always been weird. It has always been a love-hate relationship, Logan said. But that didn't start until I got full of myself, or he got too full of himself, one or the other. I had known Vince since 78 or 79 when he was the commentator. He would hang out with Morocco and the Grand Wizard. He was around the boys a bit. When I moved up there, it was business that we needed to be together. That is when we became close. We rode Harleys together. We worked out together. It was basically Vince and me in the office. It was instantly... It was like everything built up and exploded. exploded. For whatever reason, the backstory with Rocky selling out Chase Stadium, when I came back, it was like they were ready for something new. They had five years of backlink. As soon as we hit Madison Square Garden, it was like a rocket ship. Sold out everywhere we went. So that was from um, the Steve Austin Podcast. Show love to Wrestling Inc. If you're going to use any quotes in the article for the transcription and future things. But this was a very interesting article for the fact that, you know, Paul Orndorff wasn't even supposed to be a part of WrestleMania 1. That it was supposed to be him and Dr. Piper and Dr. D versus Hogan and Mr. T. But I think when you look back at it, it came across all, it came across a lot better with Orndorff and Piper being the heels against Mr. T and Hogan. Uh, if you never checked out WrestleMania 1, definitely go back and check that out. It's a great event. Um, and of course, you know, they bet the Vince McMahon bet the farm on everything. He put everything on the line. And if this didn't work, it wasn't going to be better for WWF. WWF was pretty much going to die if WrestleMania 1 never helped the company get off the ground. So that was just a little bit of insight from what happened with WrestleMania. AEW's first television show taping reportedly sells out. This is from ProWrestlingSheet.com and everyone's favorite guy to fuck with on Twitter, Ryan Satin. All Elite Wrestling had another big sellout today, this time for their debut taping, TV taping on TNT. Tickets to the October 2nd event at the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. went on sale to the public on Friday, and hours later, Cody Rhodes took to Twitter to announce they were sold out. He added, quote, thank you all so very much, end quote. Cody also said more tickets may be released to the public as the show gets closer, quote, do not give up hope on being there live, though. We should be lifting potential camera slash production holes as we get closer to the event. And quote. As we previously reported, the company's debut on TNT will feature Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho and two mystery partners, and the crowning of AEW's Women's World Champion. That was just a little, that was a little story there. Um, we knew that this was going to sell out. Just like AEW was going to sell out, there's big hype for this company. Um, it doesn't surprise me one bit that they would sell out at all. There would be, there is no way that you could tell me that AEW wasn't going to sell out. A, the hype for AEW at this point, going into October, is so real it's not even funny. Uh, I have big expectations for the company. I want to see them do well. I mean, as a professional wrestling fan. Um, when you put a promotion together, you want to see the company do well. I don't want to see anybody fail. There's no need for rivalries between AEW and WWE. I just want them to do well as a company and thrive and prosper for years to come. Um, like I said, this is no surprise at all that we would get this to sell out. There's so much, there's so much big time expectations for the company that they their first impression, not for just all out, but for the first ever show that they're going to do is huge. Hopefully, you know, we find out more information on AEW's first live event in 20 years. I mean, we don't know the rest of the card yet, and they're still hype. We're still now less than four weeks away from All Out. So they're going to give us more news on what matches are going to be made. And who's going to be involved with the first show. But knowing that now we're going to introduce the Women's Championship. It's going to be pretty interesting. They have a, a pretty decent roster for the ladies so far. Of course, with all the ladies coming from Japan. Rio, Yuka Sakazaki, um, B. Priestley, Ray Baker, Nyla Rose, Kylie Ray. There's a lot of talent that most people don't know about. 
and they are going to be part of the future of the women's division. Um, we can add in Awesome Kong, Brandy Rhodes. So I'm interested to see what they're going to do in terms of how they're going to crown the first ever AEW Women's World Champion, um, and also how they're going to crown the first ever Tag Team Champions of AEW. This next article, when I found it last night, really surprised me. But when you when we get to the end of it, it, it should make a bit of sense. So this is from Mandatory.com, the WrestleZone portion of their website. NXT UK talent reportedly barred from appearing on streaming in these shows. This was from yesterday, written by Alex Santa Maria. According to sources speaking with Voices of Wrestling, WWE is working to make the talent wrestling in NXT UK even more exclusive to their promotion. As previously understood, NXT UK talent was signed to one of three tiers of contract. At the highest tier, big stars such as Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate are already just restricted to NXT UK and WWE approved indies such as Progress and Evolve. In the past, lower tier talent could appear as they please, and this is what may be changing. They have learned through a source that WWE has informed, or will inform in some cases, affiliated European indies that NXT UK contracted talent may no longer appear on streaming services. They can work shows, but dark matches only. This means that many of the recent stars are essentially locked out of ongoing storylines in non-WWE promotions. Voices of Wrestling also notes that European indies are already making new moves to facilitate this new rule. So for in promotions like WXW, I would say ICW, Rev Pro, those are usually those are the three of the big ones that I know about in Europe. NXT UK talent is now no longer going to be involved in their streaming services. So I know ICW has their own streaming services. Rev Pro has their own streaming service. WXW also has their own streaming service as well. And so now, if they're going to have NXT UK talent on their shows, the only way they can do it is if they have them appear in dark matches before the actual event starts. It's really interesting that, you know, they're trying to have talent be exclusive simply to NXT UK. But honestly, it's to be expected. This should be expected. I mean, they're trying to lock down talent. They're trying to build up the roster for NXT UK. So names like Balter... Uh, British Strong Style, the rest of Imperium, Gallus, and I know uh, the Coffee Boys, they're definitely ICW, you know, members. And Wolfgang is also an ICW guy. I know he, I, I think he's actually in the running to fight for the ICW World Heavyweight Championship. I don't know if they just had that at Shook's House Party 6. I don't know if that went down already. So he may have lost out on becoming the ICW World Champion because of that. But, it, but when you look at the landscape of what NXT is trying to do, they're trying to lock down their, their talent and having them just stick with, you know, progress and evolve. It's a good thing they're still part of progress and evolve. You know, Volter, as of right now, is still the current reigning and defending unified world champion after progress had um, retired the Atlas Championship, which was uh, pretty much a title that was 205 pounds and above, which is kind of like they're like, it was someone like, like junior heavyweight in a sense, but it was just anything. If you're not 205, you can't fight for that championship. So... And I know that on September 15th, they're going to have their next big show. I believe Chapter 94, if I'm not mistaken. And there's going to be a new championship implemented named the Proteus Championship, to which whoever wins the championship can make their own rule as to how the title will be defended. Um, I remember Jim, Jim Smallman uh, was talking about this, and he basically stated, yeah, this is the rules for the belt. And even when you look up Proteus, on online and we'll see if we can find this right here real quick so it makes more sense now to some it would just be because I remember I found it back in a little while back when uh, they announced that the Proteus Championship was going to be a thing let me see if I can find it here real fast so Proteus is a minor sea god and servant of Poseidon uh, he can change his form or appearance at will. That was pretty much the uh, kind of the definition behind Proteus. So, just like Proteus could change his form and appearance at will, the holder of the championship can make the championship any 
type of rules they want. Which is a very interesting concept for a championship, you know. Um, I like it. So Jim's moment even said it could be a hardcore championship. It could be a dance-off championship. It could be an arm wrestling championship. It could be anything the champion wants as as the rule for that belt as long as the person remains champion. Um, one other piece of news that we found out, um, Jim Smallman actually made this news uh, a couple of days ago on Friday. I was at work when this happened. And I saw the video, uh, even though I was supposed to technically be working. Uh, we found out after Progress Chapter 100, which is, I believe, December 30th, if I remember correctly, Jim Smallman is walking away from Progress entirely. Uh, he says he wants to focus more on his family, spend more time with his family. He has built progress up to where it is now, and that Glenn and Joseph, the other two other guys that are part of Progress Wrestling, are going to take over duties from then on out. So after the new year, pretty much, Jim Smallman is out. After Chapter 100, that is it. Um, so before we even get there, I know we're four months away from that event. But Jim Small, I have become a Progress fan. Uh, I believe it was Chapter 63, if I'm not mistaken, um, when Travis Banks took on Pete Dunne for the Progress World Championship at the time. It was really cool. That was my first true taste of professional wrestling in Progress. And I love the whole, you know, theme of it. Punk rock for wrestling. Every chapter, you know, event, they consider them chapters, is, is named, you know, with some type of punk rock theme in mind. Um, Chase the Sun. Um, I think, let me see if I can look up their website real fast. They have some really funky names for their stuff. And I love it. I absolutely love their names. I think their most recent one, let me see if I can find it real fast. Shades. Let's see if I can find it. And, and just a name. You know, I mean, it's very interesting to see what, you know, they're going to have with this. Okay, that's not helping me at all. Let's see if there's any news. Yeah, so cheer up juice. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but you know, they just have like punk rock themes along there. Chapter 91, they had Prague on the time. They actually did a show based off in the 70s. That was a really cool thing. I didn't see that at the actual event. But they, they actually have some, it's, it's a really cool promotion and I definitely advise anyone to get into it see if I can find the name of this one. The Lonesome Death of the One Man Cabaret Act. They just have some really funky names for their events, but their events are fantastic. Jim Smallman usually is the ring announcer for the show. Um, he also, pretty much is like, like I said, part owner of the company. Um, he will definitely be missed. He was a, he's a true mainstay of the company as a whole. And when he leaves on de- after December 30th, it's going to be a really big loss for progress. But I know Glenn and Joseph um, the two other guys will definitely keep the keep the ball going and they will do wonderful things for progress wrestling. And our final piece of news in the opening segment of the show comes from ringsidenews.com. And I actually laughed when I saw this and I read this article. Vince McMahon says new executive directors will help WWE long-term booking. This is from Ed Jenkins and this is from yesterday. Vince McMahon is still the billionaire who controls every move WWE makes. You can't do it all alone, though. Ain't that the fucking truth? During the second quarter investors' calls, Vince McMahon explained that having Bischoff and Heyman around WWE will allow him time to focus on long-term storylines. It will help him not get in the weeds and also provide him with an opportunity to work in character development. Quote, One thing we have done here is to is hire two executive producers, one for Raw, one for SmackDown, and in doing so, it allows me to look, take a look at a longer-range story arc standpoint, and also spend more time on talent development and not get in the weeds as much as I've done, I had to do in the past. That's a really good thing, really, really good thing, I should say, for long-term and short-term as well, as we've seen a big result already. And quote, I beg to differ, but we'll get to that in a second. We will only have to wait and see what kind of long-term booking will come and about thanks to having Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman in their new roles. It will be a slow transition, but maybe we can someday have more faith that WWE knows what they're going to do in weeks in advance 
so we don't have any more incidents like on SmackDown this week when Vince McMahon was typing out the second hour during the first hour. This looks interesting. I didn't see that coming. And we all know Vince McMahon the last two weeks for SmackDown and we wrote the entire show I think two weeks ago four hours before SmackDown went down and now this week he apparently wrote the second hour of the show while during the first hour of the show let me read let's, let's read that real fast I get all of this out of here after uploading this. Thank you. Vince McMahon rewriting SmackDown was worse than we thought, written by Felix Upton from yesterday. SmackDown Live was a real cluster this week, but apparently things were much worse than when we first thought. Vince McMahon called his writing team up on Tuesday morning in order that they rewrite the SmackDown Live script for that night. He didn't think it followed up with the previous week and built towards SummerSlam, so had it changed. Oh, God. Seriously. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter reports that Vince McMahon was actually making changes to the second hour of the SmackDown show while the first hour was playing out live on the USA Network. This could explain for some of the more questionable choices. We will have to wait and see how this trend carries on. It might be a very good idea to not let this kind of thing happen. Once WWE moves the blue brand to Fox, because they might not appreciate paying $1 billion for five years of a show that is written on the fly. And I cannot agree more with Felix Upton. Ladies and gentlemen, when you... You have an entire week to have a show going. Get everything together. And throughout the week, you that's when you do your rewriting. You don't wait the night fucking before to rewrite an entire show or rewrite half of your show while the first show is going, the first hour of the show is going on right now. That is foolish. And that is just another problem to the long list of problems WWE has right now with their programming. Fox is paying a billion dollars for the next five years to ensure programming goes as smooth as baby's butt. As smooth as silk. As smooth as wonderful jazz harmonies. And you cannot be you cannot be doing what they're doing on the fly. You just can't do it. It's impossible. You have an entire week to get it all together. The last couple of weeks for SummerSlam's build has been absolute garbage. If you haven't noticed it, you're a bot. But seriously, this needs to end. I hope Vince McMahon is willing to give the reins to Heyman and Bischoff and let them do what needs to be done. We already reported uh, Friday that the wildcard rule will die in October. Its end will end in October. Honestly, I've been saying this for a while now. They should just have an entire draft right after SummerSlam. Get your brands ready. Have long-term plans in place. Focus on the long-term. Because if you don't, it's going to cause problems and more fans are going to leave the product. It's a damn shame that we have to literally sit here week after week and watch as programming on WWE goes to shit. This can't go on any longer. If they do not get their shit together, AEW is going to kick their ass. NXT is going to kick their ass. NXT UK is going to kick their ass. So hopefully, Vince McMahon loses the reins of just a tad bit and lets Hammond and Bischoff do what needs to be done for these brands. Let them have identities for specific shows. It's only right, Vince. It's only right. This is episode 92 of the Young Lions Perspective. And with that being said, let us begin.
What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling Dishes Podcast here, and welcome to episode 92 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me on this fine Sunday afternoon. And hope you guys are enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Today, NXT UK. Now, I, it seems as of late, y'all have been loving the NXT UK reviews that I've been putting out, and I do appreciate that. Um, NXT UK, I've been riding with them since the beginning. I have missed about a month and a half with the episodes, which I am very upset about. And I still haven't gone back and done it and checked it out because life. But as of late, y'all have been really feeling the NXT UK reviews. So like I said, I do appreciate y'all checking that out. Do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the shows, man. Because we are officially now a month away from one-third of the greatest day of professional wrestling in 2019. That is being August 31st with AEW All Out, NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff, and New Japan's Royal Quest. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to cover all three of those, but I'm going to figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. So... We're not going to waste any more time. We're going to talk about NXT UK. This is actually a really good episode of NXT UK. And it started off. Now they're finally out of the uh, Download Festival. They are now in Plymouth, England. I, like I said, I didn't know when they were going to start doing shows in Plymouth and start uh, having their shows for us. But this was the first actual week where they were in Plymouth. So I know they're going to probably be remaining for the remaining at least month, the remainder of this month from... Pretty much this coming Wednesday till the end of the month on the 28th. We're going to get, I guess, the remaining episodes uh, in the lead up to TakeOver Cardiff in Plymouth, England. And she'll start it off already in the ring. NXT UK GM Johnny Singh and assistant GM Sid Scala welcoming the crowd to NXT UK for this week. Sid states that in just a few weeks, NXT UK heads off to Cardiff to prove once again why this brand is the hottest in all of sports entertainment. He's not wrong there. He says, at this time, I like to hang hand things over to the legend, Johnny Saint. Fans go bananas as Johnny Saint takes the mic. And basically, he, this is all he said. On August the 31st, we take over. He shows the uh, logo officially to the fans, but we've already pretty much seen the logo for weeks on end, and they've been promoting the crap out of this show for weeks on end. So the crowd in Plymouth, I guess for the first time, saw this, and they were going bananas for TakeOver Cardiff, man. So Sid continues to say that history will, and out comes Imperium. Marcel Bartel at the mic says, first piece of business, and the entire group of Imperium come out, he says that Sid Scala and Johnny Saint are not in charge anymore. Plymouth booing the crap out of Barcel Bartel. As he continues to say that Imperium does not need the GM or assistant GM any longer. So step off that mat that is so sacred to us or we will make you. Then all four members pretty much flank Sid and Saint, preventing them from getting out of the ring. Alexander Wolf and Fabian Eichner coming from the sides. Wood, well, not Wood. Wolf actually takes Sid's mic from him, making Sid's got to adjust his suit. And he hands it over to Walter. He says, Myself and Imperium have already improved that I've already proved that we have the number one force in NXT UK. And considering I already destroyed anyone in front of me and all the talk going on about TakeOver. I really want to know who is left. All of a sudden, Tyler Bates' music starts playing. It had been about a month's worth of shows since Bates was put on the shelf by Walter after the attack on both Seven and Bates during the NXT UK Tag Team Championship match against the Grizzly Young Veterans. Imperium goes up the ramp. I believe it was... um, Bartel and Eichner going up the ramp to pretty much get a hold of him if he comes out towards the front of the ramp. But Bate comes out of nowhere wearing some chanclas attacking Volter from behind. If y'all know what chanclas is, it's pretty much flip-flops. 
throwing big hands, boots each member of Imperior down. First, he gets to Wolf, knocking him out of the ring. Then he takes out Eichner with an Enziguri, and then a spinning Enziguri on Eichner. And then it's just he and Volter going at it. Referees rush out to stop the rest of Imperium from getting in. Plymouth, Plymouth pretty much wants to see them fight, screaming, let them fight. Let them fight. Bait and Volter are furious. Superstars are coming out of the back to break it all up. Sid tells him to stop doing this. He says, Volter, you want a challenger? You've got one. At TakeOver Cardiff, the WWE United Kingdom Championship match will be Volter versus Tyler Bate. And to be truthfully honest, this makes all of the sense in the world to make this match happen. I, like I've said in previous episodes, I wasn't too sure who they were going to have as the opponent for Volter at TakeOver Cardiff. Because you really... In, in my mind, I was thinking, you really didn't have... They really didn't have anybody up for Volter. But after the attack from Bait, or should I say attack on Bait, last month, it made sense to have Tyler face Volter as, a, as an act of revenge and a possibility of Bait becoming the first ever two-time WWE United Kingdom champion. And honestly, this is a match I could definitely get hyped for. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's faced Pete Dunne. He faced Pete Dunne at uh, New York to win the championship. He faced Trent Seven. But to my knowledge, he and Tyler Bate have never gotten a one-on-one match against each other. The only reason he took out Bate was part of tearing their takeout British Strong Style become the number one stable in the, in the brand. But they have never faced each other one-on-one. So this makes all the sense in the world. The last member of British Strong Style to take on Volter and possibly dethrone him in Cardiff in four weeks' time. This made all the sense in the world. I love the call. Bill Volter is going to be ridiculous. And this should be one of those matches of the, of the month that, you know, really exceeds expectations. Getting into the first match of the night, we had Gallus, Wolfgang, and Mark Coffey take on Pretty Deadly. The team of, let me see if I get this right, Stoker and Howley. Um, I had spoken about them a little bit while back, and I did say they were the sons of One Disco Inferno. And if you Google that really quick, you Google Disco Inferno, then you Google Pretty Deadly and check out the images, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. So, Howley starts the matchup, and Wolfgang, before even the match even started, while uh, Howley and Stoker were getting into the ring. Wolfgang is oh, Wolfgang's one of those guys that I really like in NXT UK. He is just intense from beginning to end. He just wants to beat your ass and give no fucks about it afterwards and then say something about your mama and you ain't going to do nothing about it. He's that type of guy. And he's the intensity he brings to the ring wherever he's at, ICW Progress and now NXT UK is second to none, I think, in terms of what I've seen from NXT and NXT UK. His intensity is second to none. His toughness is ridiculous. And this guy can go in the ring. So... Howley starts up only to get steamrolled by Wolfgang. He rolls Howley. Howley goes Matrix to avoid the clothesline. Howley then kips up, gets the headlock on Wolfgang. He powers out by kneeing Howley low. He then hits Howley with a hard hip toss, dares him to get up. Fans are actually on the side of Pretty Deadly because they hate them some gallus. So Stoker gets the tag in. Stoker spins and hits an elbow. Then it's a clothesline on Wolfgang. Wolfgang stays up, though. He catches Stoker running in for a flapjack drop. Then he starts raining down angry rights and lefts. Drags Stoker over to the corner, tags in Mark Coffey, then body shots Stoker hard, throwing big forearms, wrenches, and then hits a Russian leg sweep on Stoker. Drags Stoker up, rings out his arm, and then drops to a knee. He keeps on Stoker with a half Nelson with a chin bar. Fans start rallying behind pretty deadly. Stoker gets his, gets his way up to his feet. He elbows free, but Mark whips him away from Howley. Tags in Wolfgang. He trips, uh, they strip Stoker up with a double monkey flip, which is always one of those beautiful double team moves that you don't see every day. Stoker starts crawling to his corner, but Wolfgang looms over him with the Gallus cross on pose, like the one I am doing right now. He then whips Stoker into the turnbuckles hard, tags in Coffee again. He looms over Stoker now, even taunts him to crawl. He starts crawling, but Mark drags him back over. He 
Stoker boots Mark away, hits the hot tag to Howley, fires up, runs into a full Nelson slam from Coffee, tags in Wolfgang, and they work together to feed Howley for the Enziguri power slam. And that was enough to give Gallus the victory to kick off NXT UK. Another dominant performance from the Scotsman, but there wasn't that wasn't it. Wolfgang tosses Howley of the ring. Mark takes the mic. He says, since the start of NXT UK, we've said that this is our kingdom. Of course, fans booing when he says that, and Wolfgang gets completely upset. Mark has to keep him calm, though. A kingdom is built on riches, isn't it, Wolfie? Yes, it is, Mark. But we do not have riches, do we, Wolfie? We do not, Mark. Gallus calls out the grizzled young veterans. They state, grizzled young veterans, your mark. Those tag titles are soon to be Gallus. And you know what? I am all for it. I have been honestly waiting to see a Gallus GYB matchup. I'm surprised I haven't really seen a GYB Imperium matchup, unless my mind slips me and I haven't really been thinking about it. But I think Gallus and GYV at TakeOver, Car- TakeOver uh, Cardiff um, in a few weeks, I think this works. Um, if they want to start building Gallus's way to having the kingdom that they want in NXT UK, I think the Tag Team Championship would be a good start for them. Um, that's not to say that they'll actually win the championships. But you got to think, uh, Grizzly Young Veterans have held that championship since January. A very long reign for them. They faced almost a bunch. They went a good amount of tag teams. Amir Jordan and Kenny Williams, Mustache Mountain. Just to uh, go over a few. But Coffee and Wolfgang versus Drake and Gibson, I think would be a solid matchup for TakeOver Cardiff if they decide to go down that route. It would be very interesting to see. I would love to see how that matchup would be with those two teams going at it. The build for this, I hope, really comes off well. And they really put in the best effort to make this match a big deal in four weeks' time. Jordan Devlin storms into the NXT UK GM office. Assist Scala is already trying to walk out. He screams at Scala. What was that out there? Tyler Bate gets Walter and Cardiff? What do I have to do to get a rematch around here? I had the most talked about match in Blackpool. Went to New York and smashed Walter. What do I need to do? Scala tells Devlin, if he wants his shot, he'll get it in tonight's main event. But it won't be Walter. Instead, you will go one-on-one with Imperium's Alexander Wolf. Good luck. What a, and I, and I, I mean, it's nice to see Devlin. You know, y'all know I love me some Jordan Devlin, the Irish age. I hope one day when they get their mid-card seen together that Devlin becomes the top guy in that mid-card division because he has all the tools to be a champion in NXT UK. So the UK media catches up with Dave Mastiff and they want to know, Joe Coffey's been talking, but his response is that Joe has been a big mouth. He says, if Joe wants a fight, I'm not that hard to find. I talked with Johnny Singh and next week, this will be sorted out, man to man. I promise that Joe is going to get battered. Now, I ho- I was hoping that this match was just going to be at uh, TakeOver Cardiff. But, of course, me, this is wishful thinking, of course. But this match, this match has been actually been, you know, been building for a few weeks now. And it's really cool to see that, you know, we're finally going to get this matchup to end, I guess, the you know, and this version, this point of it, NXT, NXT in general, including NXT UK, does a very good job of making feuds happen in between pay-per-views. Now, NXT has more pay-per-view, more pay-per-views, so they have a more time to actually help build not only for towards pay-per-views, but towards end-of-month shows. And like, like in this one in particular, coming this Wednesday, it's going to be really cool to see Mastiff versus Coffee. I I have been wanting this matchup for a while. And when they implemented it, you know, as the feud that was going to be next for these two, I knew this. these two were going to absolutely go at it. These two are going to be, this is going to be a great matchup this, this coming week. And I cannot wait 
to actually review it, see it, talk about it, break it down. Because this was this is gonna be a fun match, y'all. Mastiff versus Coffee. Getting back into the in-ring action, Danny Luna, one of actually the newest members of the Performance Center over for the NXT UK crowd, taking on the Mosh Pit King, Rhea Ripley. Oh, coming off her loss to Piper Niven, she is not in a good mood at all. Looking to get some momentum back at the expense of a, the newcomer in NXT UK. This match did not go long at all. Now, before we get into the match, um, y'all know with uh, debuts and stuff, I like to break it down as well. Danny Luna has a decent look. Um, I know she's only been in the PC for a little while now. Uh, we had last talked about her. Um, I forget the other girl's name. And mine slipped me. But I know she was in a two-on-one tag uh, handicap match when she took on Jazzy Gabber. And she got destroyed in that match. But, you know, it was a little bit, it was a bit of a good effort, you know, nothing too crazy. I know it's just to get her some exposure to the NXT UK crowd across the world as well. So the bell rings and Rhea boots Danny down. Now I'm watching this. I actually watched this this morning while I was making my breakfast, getting my massages and my three egg omelet on, getting my cook, get my chefing on. I'm watching it and I'm just watching it. My mom comes in the kitchen Sees me, you know, watching it. She's like, this early? I'm like, yeah. She sees Rhea Ripley boot the crap out of Danny. She says, I like her. I like her already. So it's safe to say it, I might have to get a Rhea Ripley t-shirt for my mother. But that's neither here nor there, y'all. So Rhea, after the boot, starts running down rights, stomping on Luna, stands Danny up, puts her in the corner, rams her shoulder in over and over. Referee has to back her off at four. Rhea starts arguing with the ref. Danny dodges her in the corner after she goes back to attack. She starts hitting Rhea back with a leaping knee, firing off uppercuts and forearms. Rhea shoves her away and flat jacks her down to the mat as Danny came back in for an attack. She's pissed. Hugely pissed. Starts running down heavy forearms. Referee has to reprimand Rhea again. But Rhea just dribbles Danny's head onto the mat, screaming, Yeah, I hear you. I love Rhea, man. She's becoming one of my favorite heels in uh, all of WWE at this very moment. She stops Danny and kicks her hard right in the face, clubbing away on Danny some more, roaring at the ref to back off. Fans actually cheering Rhea, even though she's actually a heel. Danny starts fighting back, hits her, I think she hit her with like a right hand, runs into the ropes, but ran right into Rhea's drop kick. She starts toying with Danny, daring her to do something, screaming at her, you are nothing. Danny slaps the taste out of her mouth. Rhea comes back, rocks the hell out of her, puts her in the pump handle, gets her in the riptide. One, two, three. Rhea Ripley defeating Dana Luna, getting some momentum back after her loss to Piper Niven. This was probably one of the more interesting things of the show that I really, really liked. They had advertised in the beginning of the show that they were going to take a closer look at Tony Storm and Kaylee Ray. And I love when NXT and NXT UK really do this because we get to see a very close look and you know, we get more in-depth into the rivalry. We get to see, understand you know, how two people became bitter rivals or you know, how you know, one person has hated the other person over such long period of time or how the match came to be. I love those kind of vignettes because it adds a little bit more into the storyline between certain people that are facing each other in a match at a, on a card or just building, you know, the rivalry. It's really interesting to see that. And this particular vignette was awesome. This whole video package was fantastic. They did a really solid job doing this. So let's get into it. So they first met in Liverpool, as Tony Storm had stated. Said she was nervous to meet such a veteran. But KLR accepted her quite quickly. They traveled all over the UK, Europe, and even roomed together in Japan during their tours there. They said She said being there together was like having a big sister that I needed at that time. Kaylee restates that she was in Blackpool and announced his new signee. Actually, Tony kept going, I'm sorry. Saying that when Kaylee Ray was in Blackpool and got announced as a new signee, I was so happy for her. She got to be with a great friend again. They dreamed of such things over the years. But when she arrived, she was completely different. Ray says she admits that things had changed over time. But says Tony should know why it's like this now. She doesn't. 
She just knows I'm not the same Kaylee from before. Their dream came true. Their dream come true can't even be enjoyed now. And then she won the Battle Royal to earn the shot of the championship and decided to make it for Cardiff. I know her better than any other opponent. She's always confident, but I'm different. Knowing Tony for as long as I have, I have an advantage no one else has had. I'm just as confident taking that title from Tony Storm. It was like one of the, it's one of those like really cool pick uh, video packages that really adds more in like adds another layer to the cake that is going to be, you know, this match. It's gonna be really really cool to see if they do anything more between these two before Takeover Cardiff. Um, a possible contract signing might happen, something to that of that effect. But it's it's really nice to see that when you use video packages properly to build up rivalries and it comes across fantastically, that's when you that's when people get invested more because now we know the actual backstory behind why this matchup came to be and why they are the way they are now. Vince McMahon, take you some damn notes. Shove, go sit in the corner and sip your tea and match goddamn business and just watch and learn. So NXT UK caught up with Eddie Dennis. Um, I didn't even know he was injured. Um, so they talked about, so they brought it back to April 29th, 2019. It's the day of his left pectoral surgery. He completely had a torn pectoral. He said it tore it right off. Um, he says that people will surely put blame on my improper training or my form. But stylistically, pro wrestling has changed so much in just the last five years. These are the consequences of that change. So the doctor was explaining the exact damage, pretty much what happened. Um, three hours later, Eddie's out of surgery. He says uh, the surgeon cobbled the peck together. He said there was no blame. Then, I, then he retracts the statement. He states, the blame now lies with every single self-entitled professional wrestling fan that chooses to pass judgment on our art form when they've never stepped foot in a ring. They have no idea the risk involved. He blames the fans for how, how, he actually blames the fans for how they boo, even though the wrestler never did anything wrong. It's the fans' fault. Fans cause these issues. This is a really interesting segment, not only for the fact that we actually have to see, because I because I know the last one they did um, was Tommaso Ciampa's uh, next surgery. When they, he had to go under the knife um, earlier on this year. And it was really interesting to see how fast he recovered. And I think it was it was at TakeOver 25, where he was actually there for the first time, and he had announced that he, will, he is able to be involved in non-wrestling activities. This was literally three, month, three four months after he just had surgery. He came back fairly quickly, and now he's able to do non-wrestling activities. I would definitely say before the end of the year, Champa will be back, and I would not be surprised if by the end of the year, Eddie Dennis is back too. In terms of what he stated, when he says, the blame now lies with every single self-entitled professional wrestling fan that chooses to pass judgment in our art form when they never set foot in the ring. That is, that is a very interesting statement. And I can agree with it. Because, yes, I am a podcaster. I personally, myself, have never stepped foot in a wrestling ring and have taken a bump, anything like that. I know the severity of what they do. I have seen so many injuries happen in matches. One that comes to mind always is Big Cass's injury when he had the match with Enzo Amore. That should have never happened in the first place. That feud was absolutely dreadful. But had that match never happened, Big Cass would have never gotten injured. He would never have broken his leg. I saw that live. I've seen when Neville took on Chris Jericho one-on-one, Neville hurt his ankle on a baseball slide. And I actually heard the video of the sounds in the ring, what Neville was saying. He's saying, you know, when he kicked them once and he kicked them again, saying, this was real. I'm hurt. So Neville knocks him down, goes for the recovery. Now, what Jericho did in that portion of it is try to cause a disqualification so that Neville can get officials and trainers to come out and actually get him out of the ring and get him out of there. In that situation, 
referee, the referee didn't know what was going on. The referee didn't understand what was going on. Jericho accosted the referee. Referee had to ring the bell. He was literally grabbing him by the shirt and telling him, he's hurt. What the hell is wrong with you? Ring the damn bell. He's hurt. And then the referee realized, oh shit, Neville is hurt. They do this for our enjoyment. They put their lives and bodies on the line. Many wrestlers have died in the ring. The one case I remember with that is with uh, was the Rey Mysterio bullshit. That where uh, Rey Mysterio hits a 619 and the wrestler died in the ring immediately right after that. He didn't get up. They had to stop the match. And fans immediately place blame on Mysterio for that. So I can definitely see where Dennis is coming from in that aspect. I really, I can really can sympathize with Dennis because we don't know. You got to think the hours of training, the years of training, the, you know, being on the road, taking amount, a shit ton amount of the bumps. Um, the bumps they had to take. I can tell you right now, if I went in that wrestling ring, I would come out of that ring a sore man the next morning. Guaranteed. You would as well. You, you got to respect what they do because they, they, they spend time away from their families. They miss, you know, their birthdays are spent on the road, you know, away from family, their children, 300 days a year, doing that what they love to entertain the people who come out and see them, whether they are heel, whether they are baby face. They put their lives on the line to entertain us. So in that aspect, I respect Eddie Dennis for what he said about that. And now, in terms of him saying fans are to blame for how they boo, even though the wrestler never did anything wrong, I believe that's also a fair statement to make, like I said, with the Rey Mysterio issue. It's the fans' fault. Fans cause these issues. Now, there's a lot of fans online that do say some very fucked up shit. I've seen it. What I try to say online, what I try to say on social media, I try to say, I try to say it from a logical standpoint, a common sense, reasonable standpoint. You know... And I'm on Twitter, and I get I get shit on. I've gotten shit on plenty of times by fans like blah blah blah. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not a fair weather fan. All this bullshit. I'm like, hey, criticize the form when it needs to be criticized. Praise the form when it needs to be praised. It's crazy to me. Excuse me. How fans can just think can be now, mind you, we can we're podcast. I'm a podcaster. You have your opinion. I have mine. You may think differently of. You know, wrestling as a whole, you may think WWE is the greatest since sliced bread. I think otherwise. But there's fans out there that really do think they just know what the fuck is up. When they're really saying, <clears throat> let me take a sip of water real quick because I really want to get this out of here for y'all. Get my form together. They can honestly say the most retarded shit. Oh. Don't mind me. I'm just watching Crossfire right now. And there's ladies in short skirts. I'm in short shorts. Amen. Bless. Anyway, yeah, I'm keeping that in there. But um, there's a lot of fans out there that say the, the dumbest shit on Twitter, Instagram, pretty much social media in general. And... It sickens me how, you know, you can just see the dumbest shit. And wrestlers have said dumb shit as well. Don't don't get it twisted. Wrestlers have said dumb shit as well, and they've done lambasted for it, and rightfully so. Fans go even worse. Fans go even more full retard. They really, really do. And it's absolutely dumb to see how You know, an injury, even though, you know, it got caused by something, they'll get shit for it. They'll get so much shit for a certain injury. We got to understand, got to, we may never understand it, but you got to see it from their point of view that they are doing this to entertain us. They are putting their bodies in the line for us to cheer and boo them on a nightly basis. You've got to respect that. And if you can't, don't say anything fucking stupid. Main event time on NXT UK. Alexander Wolf taking on Jordan Devlin. Now, these are two guys that the fans really 
don't like, they hate Imperium. Rightfully so, because their heel's like a motherfucker. But Jordan Devlin's a bit of a heel as well. He's been a heel for the longest time now. And it was very interesting to see how fans were going to take this matchup. But before the bell rang, of course, since Devlin is the lesser of two evils, he becomes the babyface in this matchup because they just hate them some Imperium. Bell rings. Devlin circles with Wolf. They tie up. Wolf powers Devlin back as the bigger man. Devlin manages to turn things around, puts Wolf in the corner. They start calling each other until the referee has them break. They grimace at each other. They circle again. They tie up once more. Wolf gets Devlin an arm lock. Devlin sips out, reverses to a hammer lock. Wolf reaches down, gets the leg to trip Devlin, and steps through to get an arm, drenches the wrist all around. Devlin endures everything. Wolf grinds the knee right onto his chest. Wolf, actually, Devlin actually gets up as fans continue to sing his praises. The ace rolls, breaks free, and slaps Wolf right in the face. He grins at Wolf, but wins Wolf grins right back at him. At him. He chases Devlin. Devlin bails out of the ring. Devlin grins. I can't read today. I can't read every day. I need coffee. He grins as he trolls Wolf on the outside. He takes his time returning into the ring, slips right back out, playing the mind games with Wolf early on. So, let me see here. I can't even find it. Damn it. I'm terrible. So after he returns from the other side, ties up with Wolf, powers definitely in the corner. Ref starts counting his five count. Wolf gets some cheap shots in before the five, then throws big hands to stagger Devlin, elbows the back of his neck, and the referee reprimands Wolf for clawing Devlin's face, but clubs Devlin right down again. He goes for the Irish whip, scoops Devlin up. Devlin fights out, blocks the kick, stays out of reach, elbows Wolf down, goes for, hits the running meteor off the ropes, gets a two count off of that. He throws big hands and clubs Wolf to a corner. Fans still cheering for Devlin as he elbows Wolf in the corner. Wolf powers his way out, but eats a European uppercut for his troubles. Wolf shoves Devlin away, misses the boot. Devlin grabs him for the Uranagi. Wolf blocks it. He then grins, elbows Devlin right in the ear, scoops him up again. Devlin fights out, still catches the shoulder gut buster from Wolf. Wolf stomping Devlin down on the mat. He then drags Devlin up to stomp the ribs, working on those ribs. And that becomes a big factor in this matchup. Elbows the back. Goes for the low knee, stalks Devlin on the ropes. He chop, catches a chop from Devlin, but Wolf keeps kicking him. He stretches Devlin in a modified abdominal Abdominal stretch, working on the ribs, digging his knuckles right into the ribs. A great heel tactic to add a little bit more pain to Devlin. Fans booing as Wolf claws the sides, and then the face of Devlin. Devlin gets his, fights his way out of the hold, hit tosses Wolf down, goes to a corner, Devlin runs in, Wolf puts Devlin on the apron. He forearm, it's a forearm, goes with a slingshot, but his stunner is blocked by Wolf as he puts him in the dragon seat sleeper, spins Devlin around for a stalling suplex, uses it to hang Devlin out to dry on the ropes, and only gets a two count. Fans start taunting Wolf as Walter's bitch, and Wolf stomping Devlin down. He drags Devlin around, knees him on the ribs, fights, Devlin starts to sit up and fight back, fans rallying behind him, Wolf eggs Devlin on, stomps him back down to the mat, he drags Devlin up, puts him to the corner hard, starts doing European uppercuts on top. But Wolf right, runs right into a boot. Devlin runs, hits the wheelbarrow, and the double stomp. Devlin starts bobbing and weaving. Rocks Wolf with a right. Uranagi to a standing moonsault. Very impressive by Devlin. Devlin and Wolf go to opposite corners. Wolf runs in. Devlin dodges it, hits a slingshot cutter. Only gets a two count. We'll move a little bit further into the match. Actually, we'll move a little bit further into the match right after... A European uppercut from Devlin. Wolf lips Devlin up. Devlin slips out. Hits a headbutt. Wolf crumbles down to the mat. Devlin maintains wrist control. He yanks Wolf up, but the ribs, the ribs, throughout this entire match, Wolf has been working on those ribs. They hold him back from picking him up. Looking for the Saito suplex, but it kicks away on Wolf's face instead, then stomps his head into oblivion. Nigel said, that could be it. That could be the end of the match right there. Fans are loving the aggression towards Wolf. And then hauls Wolf up, gets a forearm. Wolf runs in into the Spanish fly off the ropes. Gets a two count out of that. Devlin cannot believe it. He hurries over to her corner. Wolf anchors the foot. He then climbs up. Devlin aims a haymaker at Wolf. 
but Wolf gets the fireman's carry on Devlin. He fights free, goes to the waist lock. Wolf gets the standing switch. Devlin elbows free, but misses the roundhouse kick, to which Wolf gets the waist lock into a German suplex, gets the bridge, only gets a two count. 2.9. Wolf goes after Devlin more. Plymouth cheering for NXT as this match was really fucking good. Wolf hauls Devlin up. But Devlin sunset through, sunset flips into the power bomb, gets a two count, hits the roundhouse kick. Wolf is down. Devlin puts him into the drop zone. Looked like he was going for the moonsault. Devlin goes for the moonsault. Wolf gets clear of it. Devlin lands on the feet to roll back. He runs out. Wolf runs at Devlin, boots him down, picks him up for the sit out power bomb. One, two, three. Alexander Wolf remains undefeated. In NXT UK. Really cool show. But before we end it, NXT media caught up with Tyler Bay after the announcement of him getting the shot at Volter for the NXT for the WWE United Kingdom Championship. He asked, he asked Tyler, what are your thoughts on everything that's going on tonight? Tyler says, I got I just got exactly what I came for. Thought you could take liberties with me? Thought you could put me on the shelf? The big strong boy does not go down that easy. I'm coming back. For the WWE UK Championship. I'm going to embarrass Walter. And make him look novice. And Cardiff. And that's the lasting image we see. From NXT UK as it went off the air. This is a really good episode y'all. It's a really good episode man. A lot of good things happen. We now know the main event of NXT UK. Take over Cardiff. Walter versus Bate for the UK Championship. We're going to get. Coffee versus Mastiff next week. We're building towards Tony Storm and Kaylee Ray, Mastiff, you know, um, Gallus, and you know, the GYV. That's probably going to be a thing at uh, Takeover UK Cardiff. I would love, I'm loving to see that match. Um, the Eddie Dennis, Eddie Dennis video was really, really cool. Um, before he was very bitter at his former friends who he felt left him behind. Now he's bitter at the fans who aren't pleased by normal wrestling. Um, this is going to be like, and what um, Mitchell says here, and I agree with this, he thinks Eddie will make a superior version to what Sami Zayn is trying to do by criticizing fans. Eddie's point is a great point in the wrestling meta of today, where spots are getting crazier just because it's what fans react to, and the wrestlers are the ones who pay the price. I look forward to how Eddie keeps this concept going. Really, really smart uh words there by Mitchell uh, on this on this uh, results and report. This is a really, really spot on uh, video for Eddie Dennis. Great for the character because he was already bitter with that. If uh, He was bitter at Den- uh, Mark Andrews for a while and that was a thing. So it was really interesting to see how that's going to go. We're going to see uh, Piper Niven and Zaya Brookside versus Ginny and Jazzy Gabbard next week. The Tony KLR promos were solid and we got that backstory. We got the why of this is actually a thing, you know, and that's always a beautiful thing. We always want to know the why of why certain matches are going down. Why did a person become healed? Why did a person attack so-and-so? As long as we get a solid logical backstory, it always makes sense. It's a, this is a really, really good episode of NXT UK, a great building episode, and now we're officially on the road to go for Cardiff, and we already weren't anyway and that ladies and gentlemen was your nxt review stick around we're gonna actually listen to our sponsors pay some bills and we'll be right back for the closing segment of episode 92 and get you ready for episode 93 stay tuned we'll be right back That's going to be it for episode 92 of the Young Lions Perspective, the NXT UK Review. I hope you guys enjoyed your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective. Share this episode across all your social media, your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Tinder, your Bumble. 
your Tumblr, your LinkedIn profile. Share it all across your social media, especially since we're on the road to the greatest day of professional wrestling in 2019. And I'm talking about All Out, NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff, and NJPW Royal Quest, August 31st. That the Young Lions perspective will always and forever be your alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay now if you don't happen to have anchor.fm and you still want to listen to this episode or any of the other 91 episodes of the young lions perspective including my nxt uk review that we did on friday including four episodes of the secret files podcast and four episodes of outside the ropes including my interview with instagod's author sunny arvado you can still find this podcast across several different platforms including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Citra Radio, CastBox, Overcast, and, of course, that good old Spotify fam. Just search for the Young Lions Perspective across all of these different platforms, and you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that is Young Lions Perspective, do not hesitate to follow my, me on social media. I can be found on Twitter at SwedeSenatorWWI. That's S-U-E-D-E-S-E-N. A-T-O-R, capital W, capital W, capital I. I do live tweeting for SmackDown Live because Raw is trash. NXT, NXT UK, AEW, every WWE live pay-per-view. And if I have nothing else better to do at 5.30 in the morning, I do live tweet for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. You can also find me on Instagram, the mothership of everything YLP, where I give you breaking news, opinions on topics inside the world of professional wrestling. Anything else I just may feel like posting, you can follow me on Instagram at young underscore lions underscore perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast. So this is the week. We are literally one week away from SummerSlam weekend. That means NXT, you, NXT TakeOver, I should say, Toronto and SummerSlam preview and predictions. That will actually be going down. Wednesday afternoon. Yes, I finally get to do TakeOver. SummerSlam preview predictions. We get to talk about all the stuff that's going on with the news of Raw and SmackDown. We'll get into all that. Thursday, we will talk about NXT review. And, of course, there will be no NXT UK review coming this weekend. As far as I know, it's a big weekend. A lot going on. I'm going to be working going to be doing TakeOver Toronto and SummerSlam stuff. So as far as I know, maybe next week, maybe next Monday, we can do an NXT UK review. Maybe. But for now, episodes 93, which is this coming Wednesday, NXT TakeOver Toronto and SummerSlam preview and predictions. Thursday, NXT review. We may throw NXT UK review in there as well. Got to figure everything out. But at least you know 93 and 94 coming this Wednesday and this Thursday. So guys... Enjoy the rest of your Sunday afternoon and evening. Kick ass this work week. Make Monday your bitch. And until Wednesday, I will see you guys next time for episode 93 of the Young Lions Perspective. See you!